Self-Confident Leaders Know an Important Secret. And today's guest, Pastor Brian Darnell from Lacombe, Alberta, Canada, is using that secret to grow the church where he grew up as a child and as an adolescent. Brian Darnell was born in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. His family moved to Oklahoma for three years when he was just a small boy. They moved back to Canada and then later served for nearly a year as missionaries in Russia. Then they moved back to Canada. He attended a ministry training program, Torchbearers International in New Zealand, and moved, you guessed it, back to Canada when he completed the program. Pastor Brian Darnell has packed a lot of living into his 32 short years and is only beginning to find all that Jesus has for him, his family, his church, and his community. And what's his secret? Well, his secret is a strategy of surrounding himself with people who are better than him. We think you'll find that's a pretty tall order. Hey, this is Adam Hoke, and I'm really grateful you are joining us today for the Doorways Leadership and Influence podcast. This is the place where topics and issues relevant to leadership, influence, and the kingdom of God are discussed and help us to learn and grow together. Are you ready? Let's get started. Welcome to our podcast. I'm your host, Rick Shields. I serve as the director of the Doorways Leadership and Influence Network. Thank you for investing your time with us on this episode. Our guest today is Brian Darnell, the lead pastor of Lacombe Pentecostal Church. Lacombe is a town of about 14,000 people situated halfway between Edmonton and Calgary and about 100 miles east of Banff National Park in Alberta, Canada. Pastor Brian and his wife, Kirsty have been married almost 10 years. They've got three young children that are five years of age and younger, and those kids keep them busy, like they really need something else to keep them busy, probably. But hey, Brian, we're glad you're with us on this episode. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. It's a true honor. You're the lead pastor of the Lacombe Pentecostal Church in Alberta, Canada. How long have you been the lead pastor? This position is very new for myself. I've been the lead pastor since January 15 of 2023. Were you on staff previous to that at the church? That's right. So I came on, hired on as the associate pastor back in 2019. And they they had the presumption that the church would then, in a few years, vote me in as the lead pastor from the membership. The former lead pastor, where is he now? So he is still on staff with us. He's part-time and he's working now as my associate, and he's doing uh, a fantastic job. He's working a lot with our senior citizens, doing hospital visitations, still on the preaching rotation, and still speaking into my life and everybody else that's here on staff with us. So you're not just in Lacombe since 2019. This is really your hometown, right? This is, yes. Were you born there? No, I was actually born in Edmonton. We lived there for about two to three years. And then we moved down to where you are in Tulsa. And then we came back to this area here in Lacombe. It was around the age of five. Yeah, I, I know there are those couple of exceptions, that period of time when you lived here in Tulsa as your dad completed a, a family practice residency program here in, in Tulsa at the In His Image residency program. But there was also a year, maybe more, I'm not quite certain, when your family lived in, in Russia, I think it's in the city of Izhevsk. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah. We lived in Izhevsk for, I think it was 10 or 11 months. I was in grade five and that was a wild year. 
That was a hard time. I, I remember I called your folks and spoke to them on a few occasions. And, and I know those were difficult things. Why, why do you say it was a wild year? Why do you say that? For somebody who was of my age, you know, I was 10 years old. For somebody who was going through, you know, the early stages of sure. adolescence and going through just new friendships, new school, learning new math curriculums, homeschooling, everything was new. And it was a great experience. Don't get me wrong about that. I think a lot of things from that intro year of missions was beneficial to the rest of my life. I've learned a lot of things from that. Was it hard in those early stages? To some degree, yes, but more beneficial to my life than it was hard. And you lived in a a small apartment, two-bedroom apartment. Is that correct? I think it was a three-bedroom. Yeah, three three? bedrooms, kitchen, and then uh, pretty small, small living, living room. room. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember uh, talking to your folks, talking to your dad, especially he was talking about how difficult it was, especially in the winter time. It gets really cold where you were at in Russia. They get a lot of snow. I recall the huge icicles that hung from the buildings That's right. that people said you had to be very careful when you walked out of a building because they knew of people every year who an icicle broke off one of those buildings and impaled them. So oh, yeah. those were, yeah, that was a difficult place. We love Russia and, and we've been to a just previously with your folks a couple of times, I think two or three times and enjoyed that time of ministry with them. It doesn't surprise me, Brian, that you, since this call to ministry, your parents are involved in the church when you were a child and as a teenager and did this mission work as well. I think they're probably still fairly involved at the church there. When did you begin to sense that full-time ministry calling in your heart? I don't know if there's necessarily a specific date of, I want to be in vocational ministry. I I don't even know if it's something that was like a spark moment. You know, a lot of pastors would say, I had this moment, I had this hoorah moment and man, it ever speak to me. I think people were always my calling. I was always passionate about people. And ever since the early stages of junior high school for me, so grade seven, eight, nine, I was always voted in as the classroom pastor. And so that kind of stuck with me. And I just understood that the gospel meant something to me. And I really wanted to get the gospel message out, even from an early age. And so when I came back after my first year in New Zealand, I went to Torchbearers International School, uh, came back from my first year of New Zealand and didn't know what I wanted to do. was chatting with a lot of my friends that I went to high school with and Uh, Two of them were like, hey, we're going to be roommates together. We're going to be living up in Edmonton, Alberta, going to Vanguard College. You should come. And just it settled in my spirit really well. I was like, that that makes sense. Did I know that I wanted to be full time in ministry after that? I still didn't know. I knew I could have worked with a, a parachurch ministry. I could have maybe gone to missions. My life was just open. I've always considered my life to be very much like the life of Paul, where it's like the gospel needs to go here. The gospel needs to go here. Wherever God calls, I'm going. I don't know if that answers your question appropriately, but it was just something that just kind of massaged its way into my life naturally, I would say. Well, if it's of any consolation to you, I'm 68 years old. I'd still like to know what I'm going to do when I grow up. That's right. (laughs) There's so many opportunities. and, And what's interesting, I really did believe few years ago, when I turned 65, normally people consider that kind of retirement age. I just had this idea that retirement 
meant that things would begin slowing down. You know, I'd begin kind of passing things off to people. And would you know, that's not the way it is. It's, yep. Things are getting big, bigger uh, and faster and picking up and there's more for us to do. So, uh, yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do when I grow up, but I'm glad at least <laughs> you've got a good start and where right. you're headed. That's good. Yes. We like to remind our listeners of our premise. We believe that influence is an expression of healthy leadership and leadership is best measured by its influence. So I point that out because I'm interested in what your leadership style is at your church there in Lacombe. Again, people attend there who may have been your Sunday school teachers or youth leaders. So how do you provide leadership and influence to those who have stories about you that, you know, may be less than flattering, or maybe you were this perfect child growing up. So (laughs) I have to back up and consider that. I would just say when we first felt our calling to come to Lacombe, we knew that it had to be a God thing. We, Kirsty and I, my wife and I, we prayed about coming back to this church that I grew up in for well over a year. We felt the call to come back. And I didn't know if that was just burnout from the previous position that I was in. I was really enjoying it. I learned a lot from my uh, previous coworker, previous lead pastor. But when I felt this original call to come back to Lacombe, as I said, yeah, we prayed about it for a good year. I had kind of heard in the winds that maybe there was going to be a position that was open. There was kind of some chatter, but nothing was on the website, you know, for where to apply for resumes or what kind of position it was. Not necessarily blindly, but just through the calling of the Holy Spirit, both Kirsty and I, we said, let's apply. And when we did apply, uh, I received a phone call from the previous lead pastor and he said, your resume actually came in one hour before I was scheduled to call you to come here to be on staff. And so I was very thankful that we took the time to, to be in prayer, kind of like what they talk about in Ezra chapter three, that before they attacked the project, they went to prayer first. They built an altar before they went to the project. And so to answer your question, how do we provide leadership and influence to those who have stories that may be less flattering? I think just the stories of, you know, maybe Braddy Brian back in the day, those are just my growing up years. But a lot of those people that influenced me and helped me get to the stage of where I am, I just thank them all the time. You know, that we have a lady who's working in our front office here. She does a fantastic job, but she used to be my, what we called pioneer clubs. That was our grades one to six program that we did. And she was my Sunday school teacher. And we just get along now. We've become friends along the years and we work well together. And a lot of people here in the church, they got stories, but I just laugh along with it because I'm like, look, you know, look where we're going now. Look where your lending hand has guided me along. And thank you for your participation in just being obedient to God's calling upon your life. Yeah. How good that they have an opportunity to see the yeah. return on the investment that they made in you early that's on right. <clears throat> and, and to be able to participate in that still, that that's pretty cool. What are some yeah. of the more difficult things you face as you lead your home church? Probably just the battle of knowing my calling. Now I've, I've never been a lead pastor before. And some of the difficult things that I face as a lead pastor, I would say is just being secure in where I'm seated right now. And even though uh, Pastor Mark, he's our previous lead pastor, even though him and I are still on staff together, I can see that he still has that emotional tie to this place because he was here for 30 years. Now, is he doing a bad job in his position right now? No, not at all. Actually, 
quite opposite. He's doing a fantastic job as an associate pastor. I think for me, just the way I grew up is to respect your elders. And so I'm now, because we just hired a new children's pastor, I'm now the second youngest person (laughs) here on staff. And I find that portion to be a little bit more difficult because age generally is something that's frowned upon as somebody who's going to be a boss of somebody who's older than them in society. But it could be a little bit different in ministry because it has to be a God-appointed, God-anointed thing. And we both knew this is where God was leading us. And so just being confident in my age and who I am, because, you know, Jesus says, let the little children come to me while at the same way, I'm still coming to him because he is my guide and he is my rock. Let me take a moment to remind our listeners that feedback is important to us. If you have a suggestion for a guest or a topic, please let us know. You can drop us an email at info at doorways.cc, and we'll see how to incorporate that into our podcast schedule. Once again, that email address is info at doorways.cc. We really would appreciate uh, your feedback and your input. In his book, Failing Forward, John Maxwell writes, when it comes right down to it, I know of only one factor that separates those who consistently shine from those who don't. The difference between average people and achieving people is their perception of and response to failure. Nothing else has the same kind of impact on people's ability to achieve and to accomplish whatever their minds and hearts desire. Brian, anyone who's listened to even a few of our podcasts know that we are not afraid to talk about failures. We believe failure provides important lessons that we might not otherwise learn from. Are you able to share with us about a particular failure that you experienced that has shaped your path going forward? Absolutely. As soon as I came in, I was coming in with my previous ministry in mind. And there was a lot of moments in my previous ministry where I kind of had to massage in or just write out black and white, tell them this is how things need to be done. And with caution, I think some of my biggest failures was not recognizing and understanding some of the strengths that were here and incorporated already. For example, I led um, a worship team and sound crew Uh, meeting right as soon as I got here. And again, not that the people at my previous church didn't know what they were doing. It was just a new thing and we were getting them up to par. And so I came into that previous meeting kind of with this hot headed ideology of, I know what's best when really I didn't, I needed to slow down my pace a little bit and just come to an understanding of this church is well-established. It's been very well seasoned, and these people here are not new in their areas of ministry. So one person, he actually took me out for coffee afterwards, and he said, you know, I understand where you're coming from. It's hard to get incorporated into the things that are already established, but it was just a good meeting from a different leader talking to a different leader and him giving me reasons why that meeting didn't work. And so we had a different meeting. I apologized to everybody. And it actually was much smoother. And so now my, my mentality and my shift from that is I've actually learned that I don't need to come in as some people, quote unquote, coming in as a, as a know-it-all. I still have things to learn. What is it that you can bring to the table that I can learn from you? And as I lead through that, you know, I'm still learning that <laughs> being a servant is the best way to form leadership. I'm certain you've got some goals and objectives you'd like to achieve do you have what you need to attain them? And if not, what's missing? I've definitely got goals. I would say that one of my 
greatest strategies to attain any sort of a goal is to uh, surround myself with people who are better than me. So for example, we just hired a children's pastor and young family ministries pastor. I've done kids ministry, but I've never led it. And so a lot of people said, why don't we just hire somebody fresh out of Bible college? We can shape them. We can give them opportunity. In my mind, that would have set our church back quite a few steps. I wanted somebody to come in who was well-seasoned, somebody who knew curriculum, somebody who knew policies. And so just to go back to my original saying, to surround myself with people who are better than me, that is one way that I can achieve all of the goals that I perhaps have set in my mind and the vision that I do have for this place. Well, one thing would you like to leave us with as it relates to leadership and influence and how understanding those things have impacted your life and your ministry? Yeah, I was at our PAOC general meeting yesterday, and I was actually chatting with somebody about this. One thing that we all need as leaders is just to make sure that we have established a good leadership accountability partner. I would say that I have a lot of people within the church, but a lot of the things that are more personal, I keep that outside of the church just so that people are not looking at me strange or wondering, is this going on? And so I do have a good leadership accountability outside of the walls of this church. And there are people who have gone through specific things. I have some some younger guys and some some well-established guys in ministry, some business people who definitely keep me accountable to ministry, finances, uh, the vision-led life. But it just at least having one good person who understands what it's like to be in ministry and just asking this person to be accountable to me. I followed you from a distance all these years. Brian, thanks for taking time today to let me talk with you personally about this and hear your heart. I'm proud of you. I've been proud of you for years, yeah. but even more so now, I'm just thankful that God's using you there to reach that community of Lacombe. And then even beyond that, in, into the world where Jesus has called you to, to reach all the world. Good for mm. you, man. Bless you. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed our podcast, and I hope that you'll join us on future episodes. Please follow us or subscribe so you can be notified when new podcasts are released. Until next time, this is Rick Shields, and on behalf of the Doorways Leadership and Influence Network, this is my prayer for you. May you have rest when you need it, strength when you want it, and joy when you least expect it. Until next time, may the Lord bless you as you follow after Him. Thanks for listening.